0: Welcome to our sermon podcast for wanderers, seekers, and thinkers, for deconstructing and reconstructing. This is a feed of Open Door Church, a faith community focused on God's love and grace, a progressive church built around action, community, and people. We've got a guest speaker with us this week, so enjoy a fresh perspective and check back often as we're posting new content every week.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me this morning. Um, It means so much that there are people um, and churches willing to listen and invite people that actually deal with these kinds of things. So I'd love to just tell you a little bit more about my story, how I got my diagnosis, and then I have a couple ideas about how we could make um, our churches uh, safer places for people that are neurodiverse. Nine years ago, I found myself in the emergency psych ward. Um, It was nine years ago that I was diagnosed with bipolar 2. To me, it was actually not that much of a surprise. I had struggled most of my life with depression and anxiety. I have very high highs and very low lows. So high and so low that often it's hard to think straight and it's painfully physical to exist. Let me back up a little and I'll tell you how I ended up in that open, padded door door surveillance and my husband Rob. Um, The previous winter I had tried a new medication. Most of the winters in my life had been hijacked by darkness and summer my mind and body would do a switch and I'm on rapid fire. That summer all of a sudden I wanted to do all the things all the time and I had the best ideas ever. Well mostly the best ideas ever. Unfortunately along with those rapid thoughts comes crippling physical anxiety. I distinctly remember an attack in Superstore and the toothpaste aisle. I'm going to walk you through my thoughts, and it goes a little something like this. Okay, focus. Shaylee, you're getting toothpaste. You're getting toothpaste for, I can't remember, was it Rob or the girls? I wonder if it was for the girls. Oh my goodness, I haven't taken them to the dentist lately. I haven't even watched them brush their teeth. Oh my goodness, we so don't remember to floss. I bet our teeth are rotting. I bet they'll fall out. We probably will all need dentures. That would be terrible, but kind of funny, but mostly terrible. How am I going to tell Dr. Kevin? How can I avoid him? He goes to our church. Church, wow, I'm totally exhausted from doing vacation Bible school. I wonder if the kids are even remembering my teaching i wonder if i look crazy up there preaching and singing and dancing i probably do i probably look ridiculous do i really care i hope the parents didn't sing hear me singing at the top of my lungs Unpitched, Funny. Not funny. I saw my friend there. I bet she's mad because I haven't called her. Ugh, I'm such a crappy friend. Man, I suck at a lot of things. I hate cooking. I hate cleaning. I spend a lot of money. How selfish am I? Just look at my cart. Do we need everything in it? Yes. No. I don't know. That's it. I'm putting everything back. No, no, no. You need to get toothpaste. Seriously. I don't know what brand. Colgate. Sensodyne, Crest. The watermelon flavor. Maybe no the cheap no man. Yes, that will save money, but I think it will be gross, and then it will be gross, and then no one will do it, and back to the teeth rotting thing. What do I get? Maybe I should put everything back and get no name everything. I have to start over. I need to start over before we lose our house and end up in bankruptcy, and it will be all my fault. By the time I get through this, my heart is beating so fast I can hardly breathe, and I'm sweating, and I have to call Rob to remind me that we're not going to lose our house over toothpaste. You can imagine how exhausting this is, and it only got worse as the doctors upped my medication doses. We didn't know that the meds were doing the exact opposite of what we were trying. I was rapid cycling and living on less than two hours of sleep per night, and my cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone, were going through the roof. The messiest day was, of course, a Sunday. I was sitting in church, waiting to go up to lead the VBS kids in a song and a dance, And I saw beautiful candles. They had lit. These are great because they don't actually have flames. And all I could think about was those candles. And when I was looking at those candles lit on the table with flames in front of the stage, all I could picture was scenes of disaster. Those candles, images after images of kids knocking them over. There was wax everywhere. I believed without a doubt that someone would catch on fire. It would probably be me it would probably be my hair. That is a lot of flaming hair. As I walked to the front, I actually leaned over and I blew out the candles. I blew out the church candles, you guys. Probably the super spiritual, meaningful candles. Yes, somehow those flameless candles now symbolized all my flaws and failures. The next thing I remember was sobbing in a random stairwell in the church. I was in a full-blown anxiety attack. I don't remember how I was rescued from the stairwell, but somehow I got home. And I knew then, that day, that I couldn't live like this. I knew God had so much more than this suffering for me. It was really hard to get help without going to emergency. You see, I'm super high functioning, so my intense mood fluctuations have never fully been seen by medical professionals. They saw my depression, which we kind of understand, but not my hypomania. All they could see was my accomplishments. I worked as a teacher on call, took care of my home, my little girls, and I had several leadership roles. But that night after the candle meltdown, I was desperate and I begged God to heal me. But instead of miraculous healing, He gave me the strength and courage to gather up all my shame and embarrassment and seek treatment like I never have before. In that moment, I decided I was unwilling to lose another winter to depression and spend summers so high and full of fear and confusion. I was unwilling to yet again burden my tribe and my family and my friends with my dark, hopeless thoughts and my sharp, anxious words. I was unwilling to listen to the same cruel tapes that played in my head. That night, it was suggested that I go to a place that I now affectionately call Crazy Town. Ironically enough, the place was called Crest, with an extra S, standing for Community Residential Emergency Short-Stay Treatment. It was there I learned that I had bipolar, too. And it was terrifying because the word bipolar is misunderstood and heavy. I wanted to say I have a little bit of anxiety and depression because it has a little bit less stigma. I know now that speaking out and sharing my diagnosis of bipolar releases me and others of the shame and baggage that we carry. I know now it's not actually my fault and that it's just a part of my brain that doesn't work as it should. Please know that if you are a Christian and you are suicidal, or you're depressed, or you're anxious, or you struggle with an eating disorder, OCD, you struggle with PTSD, it is okay to seek professional medical help. It is okay to take medication. As I said on the video, you are replacing or balancing chemicals that are not working right or are missing. It does not weaken your faith. And I wish we could think about medication like we do for like insulin for diabetes. Um, We wouldn't judge a person with asthma using an inhaler when they're gasping for air. Those of us with mental illness are also struggling to breathe. Please know that you can have a deep relationship with Jesus and also take Prozac. As you saw in the video, many of us with invisible illnesses have not always been treated well in the church. It continues to surprise me because It is the exact opposite ways of Jesus. Jesus hung out with the hurting and the lost and the marginalized. And we know he spent the majority of his time searching and gathering those that were suffering. I believe that the messiest place should be the church. If those of us with mental illness can't run to the church, we are going to run away. I hear over and over when I speak at gatherings or I interview others that they have been deeply wounded and they have left. It saddens me. It doesn't have to be this way. The church can do better. We know that one in four people suffer and many in silence. These are your friends. These are your family and your co-workers. Here are some of the things that I think will further welcome and embrace a neurodiverse church. Before I start that, I do want to acknowledge that you are doing good work here that this is beautiful, that you even let me up here, (laughs) is a wonderful thing. First of all, I think we can start by learning how to hold sacred space for those who are struggling. By this, I mean sitting with us in our tears and our darkness and despair without trying to fix us or give us advice. Please don't give us Bible verses about having the joy of the Lord or sending us miracle stories. And let's ask, please don't put me on a prayer chain or make me your special project so that you can move me from this side of prayers needed to this side of prayers answered. Holding honest space requires empathy and not sympathy. It can get uncomfortable But it means everything when you stay and you continue to show up and be present. We must initiate careful conversations in the church. We can't pretend everyone's okay. Words matter. We must use medical terms properly. Please don't say, oh, I love my house being so clean. I'm so OCD. Or, oh my goodness, he is being so bipolar. He keeps changing his mind. Or, oh, I'm scattered, I'm so ADHD today. This trivializes our experiences. We need new language when talking about mental health disorder. New words like neurodiverse or neuroatypical are more positive, and they also reiterate that it is a brain disorder, that it, we are not just hypersensitive, over-emotional, weak people. Use medical and inclusive terms for actual medical illnesses. Take time to see who's missing in the room. Take time to notice when we're acting out of character. We have learned through suicides, like Robin Williams, Kate Spade, and other famous artists that sometimes the loudest, the most creative, and the funniest people in the room are hurting the most. Neurodiverse people feel deeply We experience deep sadness and sorrow, but that also means we can experience ecstatic joy. We are also good at hiding behind smiles. Check in, but please, without phrases like, I haven't seen you in church for a while. Where have you been? These trigger not only me, but I'm sure other people, and it gives us more shame and guilt than we already feel. Ask us how we are feeling. Maybe I miss you instead of you're not around. Or maybe how is your week? How are you feeling physically? How is your thought life? Please don't ask me, did something happen to make you feel this way? Or I thought you had it all together. Or at least you are blank. Or at least you have blank. Maybe you need to go and get some fresh air and take a walk. Do you think we don't want to do these things? These type of things seem like climbing mountains for us. Try instead of saying something like, is there something you need that you don't have? Can I come and sit with you? I'm here when you're ready or need me. Maybe drop off a meal but most importantly, understand if we don't open the door. Understand if we don't invite you in, or answer calls, or cancel plans, or are insecure, or needy, lean in. Continue dialogue in the church and educate about mental illness. There needs to be intentional and meaningful events and gatherings within the church that don't just include inspirational stories of miraculous healing. That only pushes away those that have not been healed. Mental illness is hard, and I know it's uncomfortable, and it's messy, but even if it is awkward, we need to acknowledge and listen and enter in. We need to hear stories from those of us that have and continue to battle clinical mental illness. We need to make it easier to share by giving ongoing opportunities because someone might not be ready yet. We need to understand that healing is not linear. That we will still stumble and we will still have symptoms, but love us through them. This takes time. We're so busy these days. We don't take time to create deep and meaningful connections. I know that the greatest gift you can give me during a depressive or hypomanic episode is your time and connection. It sounds so simple, but we must keep showing up for people again and again and again, even when it's hard and it's heavy. We need pastors and church leaders to be willing to admit that the church does not have all the answers. Lead with authenticity and vulnerability. It gives us permission to do the same. I love how Bradley ended last week when he said, have a good week, or not. I think it gave us permission to show up this week. It sat so well with me that I could come back and tell the truth about my week and not just say I'm fine and good. We need to take time to actually learn about the symptoms and behaviours of mental illnesses that are misunderstood, like bipolar, um, like OCD, and not just watch television and take in those stereotypes. Find them, see us, show us, that there is a place for us in the church. Search out books and resources, either by Christian and non-Christian speakers, writers, leaders, and theologians that have mental disorders. Maybe create some. Like Bradley was saying, he could only find some that give you five psalms to feel better. Don't try and counsel if you're not a professional. Mental illness is not unconfessed or generational sin, and it is absolutely not a lack of faith. Be very careful when preaching faith versus fear messages. Maybe don't preach them at all. Have lists of psychologists and resources that are available in your area. And also have resources available for the families that are loving us. I am convinced that we must make the church a messy, sacred sanctuary for the suffering if we truly listen and live and love like Jesus, I believe that we as the church can be front runners in smashing the stigma around mental health.
0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Open Door Church. Our intro and outro music was created by Lee Rosevere and is used under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Have a great week. Ask the hard questions and explore God's love. Everyone is always welcome to join the journey with us at Open Door. Learn more at opendoorfamily.ca. That's opendoorfamily.ca.